when the pandemic hit, I was like, I really want to be a leader and kind of drive change. Frankly, I feel like I'm a lot better than some of these leaders out here. And so I put my money where my mouth was. And every day I would get online and look for a job that worked with COVID. Cause I was like, Hey, COVID's new. They got to have some opportunities and I don't need to have a master's in COVID to work in COVID. And I got a job with the mm-hmm. CDC in the executive office at Boston public health commission, 1300 employees, seven branches. And I sat under the medical director and the chief safety officer. And my role was developing policies, procedures, and safety around COVID. And back then it was like, is it airborne? Is it contact? Is it droplet? How do we contact trace? When do we return to work? And so I really developed those workflows based on best practice. I managed a website where I could give staff up-to-date information. I performed site visits and I really got my toes wet when it came to leadership and thinking creatively and innovatively. Welcome to the Wise and Wine podcast, as well as the Siblings Take On podcast. This is the second crossover episode that we've ever done marrying these podcasts. And so if this is the first time, if you are a first time listener to us, it's likely because you followed and are fans of our guest, Lindsay Georgiulis. So before we launch into the full episode of Lindsay, we want to do a quick introduction about the two podcasts that you're listening to today. The first is the Wise and Wine podcast with me, your host, Jennifer. Now, I had a very windy career path where I had five jobs in over two years and realized that that shit wasn't normal. And so I wanted to interview people who were maybe like me and didn't have a career path that started at point A and ended at point B. I wanted to know how people became the badasses in their careers and how they became inspiring and giving and leaders in their spaces. And so that is why Lindsay is joining us from the Wise and Wine podcast. She's going to start talking to us about how she started as a nurse and ended up in more of an educational policy side. She talks about her personal scare with bladder cancer at the age of 27 and why it's so important for her to make sure that people are informed about their choices, about their options, about the availability and the access that they have to healthcare in the United States. She does that with humor and candor through her Instagram page, Ask Nurse Lindsay. So the first half of this podcast is really diving into her career, her passion for what she does, and why she thinks it's important for everybody to have as much information as possible. The second part of the podcast is where she dives into the siblings take on. Siblings Take On podcast is me and my brother Jared talking about race, sports, careers, social media, pop culture, reality TV, anything that pops into our heads to see if our differences in gender, marital status, and the generations that we were born into have any impact over how we view these different topics. Now, one of the long-standing Siblings Take On topics that we've had is siblings take on married at first sight and it is a reality show that Lindsay was on on season 14 in boston and jared was a huge fan of Lindsay, and i was just very curious about who this woman was so we've been trying for months and months and months to get her on the show and we finally did and we are not disappointed 
Lindsay talks about not even having a TV to ending up on a TV show that she heard about from her dad. She talks about her process through it, what she learned about it, what she'd warn people about, and if this is something she would ever encourage her future child to take part in. We laugh, we learn a ton, and we cannot wait for you to hear the episode that we did together with Lindsay Georgiulis. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to Siblings Take On. Today, we're going to take on your career as a nurse as well as your time in reality TV. But first, tell us about your sibling. I have two siblings, a brother and a sister. I love my brother dearly. I feel like I'm five years older than him. And my very first memory was like changing his diaper as a little girl. So I've always really like had this motherly smothering effect on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just love my brother so much. I think he's such a beautiful person. He's for sure the people pleaser in the family. And like, he's way more likable than me. Like he's easily <laughs> the most likable family member. Cause he's just mellow. Um, and then my sister and I, it's so sad for many years. I'm like going to cry thinking about it. I've left the door open to her and I've had Mm -hmm. conversations with my mother. Like if you don't stop her toxicity, like we're only going to see each other at your funeral. And there Mm -hmm. were many years I left the door open. Like, well, maybe when she has kids, she'll change and then we can reconnect. And when I went on Mavs, it like for sure sealed the deal that she will never be in my life. She knew she shared specific details, including my cell phone number on Reddit. Oh no. Yeah. Um, one time she called the producers and left like a drunk, angry message. And they were like, um, she like went above and beyond in her life to just sling hate. That was kind of like my last straw. And she, I mean, I kicked her out of my house four years ago during a Thanksgiving. She showed up and I was like, I'm going to just let her be here. I'm going to let her be at my house while I host Thanksgiving dinner. And she kept saying some stuff and saying some stuff. And I said to her, you know what? If you're going to disrespect me, you can leave. And she was, she started mouthing off. And I was like, this is my house. I have peace in this house. And if you don't like it, you can leave. The door's right there. I didn't invite you. And now I'm uninviting you. And my dad and brother were like, why do you got to do that? And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing this. This is my house. And if you want to invite her in and she wants to disrespect me, then she's not welcome here. And so she left and my phone started blowing up and my ex was very quiet. Like he never said mom about nothing. And I said to him, read this message. I know it's going to be hateful, but I don't want to see it. And he read it and he was like, she's never welcome in this house again. I sent it to your father and Mm. I blocked her and deleted her. And I was like, oh, it must have been bad. Mm. And I think I held the door open for the sister I want versus the sister I have. But on the positive side, Ray has a sister who like the minute I met her, we just like loved each other. We're sisters. We went to like a museum members party last night and we were talking a lot about like our trauma with our you know, my sister and my family. And she's like, I hope now that we have sisters, like we're sisters and we love each other, it helps heal you through that. And I was like, yes, girl. Like, I was like, I hope Ray understands. I'm going to like you more than him sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Ray's like, like, it's fair enough. Like, so like I have, I have a few girlfriends who are like sisters to me that Uh, like my best friend Cameron is like, we're each other's sister. We are ride or die for each other. And one of the things I say is like, 
we give each other the love and the mothering that we wish we had had as a way for us to grow and like honor each other. And sometimes that's what you have to do is make your friends, your family. Yeah. You know? And so it may not be an accident then that you, somebody that has come from a place of caring or wishing that you had more care became a nurse. Um, So as your profession, you are caring for other people. So um, you've been in several roles as a nurse throughout your career, a travel nurse, a charge nurse, a case manager, a project manager. What made you choose to become a nurse and how did each role change your perspective on the nursing profession? It's so funny. Everybody always asks me that. And usually you'll hear like, oh, my mom was a nurse. I have no idea why I became a nurse. But I ran into my first high school boyfriend like a couple years ago. And he's like, hey, so did you become a doctor or a nurse? And I was like, yeah. What? <laughs> How'd you know? And he's like, you just were very caring very early on. Like I took care of my brother when I was little. I was a nanny when I was little. I was a swim instructor. I was a lifeguard. Like when kids at school got sick, I'd call their mom and be like, hey, you know, Renee's sick. We're at band practice. Can you come and get her? I'm, I've got a cold compress on her. And so like caring for others was always really natural to me. And I never played with baby dolls either. It's just like, I really liked mm. to care for others. Um, I've always been somebody mm. like who got joy in helping others. And my college didn't have a nursing program when I started. I was in a pharmacy program for marketing and management. And I heard they had a nursing program. And I immediately left the cookout and went to the dean and asked to transfer over. And it was just very, like, natural. And there was lots of times in nursing I wanted to quit because women are mean to women. And I was like, I do not (laughs) want to be with all these mean women. But I spent so much on my undergrad, I'm going to have to finish it. Um, And one of the beautiful things about nursing is that you're in constant seek of knowledge. Like your knowledge is always changing. Your best practices are always changing. It motivates you to kind of learn and push yourself outside the boundaries. And then I've always been able to support myself as an independent woman and be successful. And that was always really important to me. Um. Like my mom gave me one piece of advice when looking for college and it was, you're going to need to make at least 75 grand a year. You got expensive tastes. So find a job where you can earn at least that. And I was like, that's some real advice. <laughs> like that's some real talk. Uh, <laughs> and that's very true with nursing, but you don't get into nursing for the money. Like you're doing a lot of dirty stuff. Yeah. Um, Early in my career, I was bedside and I was like, God, I hate this. I don't feel like it's holistic. I'm just kind of running around and giving meds and pressing bells. And I'm I'm not getting to know these patients and their stories and why they're here and how to connect with them on ways that they'll heal. And then I, I did travel nursing, which was a great opportunity for me to like move away and see the world and kind of like culturally adapt advance myself I kind of grew up in like a small white farm town and Boston is <laughs> like a small white Republican town you know and so I really wanted to like expand my knowledge and kind of like nurture myself through traveling and then um there's been like some shifts in my career I got bladder cancer when I was 27 and I oh, wow. it was very quick right I, I it feels weird saying I have bladder cancer because 
On Friday, they found a mass and was like, you need to get a PCP and a urologist. On Monday, I got a primary care provider. On Tuesday, I got a CAT scan. On Wednesday, I got into a urologist who did the cystoscopy, who was like, yeah, we got to take this out. And we'll wait a few months. And I was like, you are not going to wait a few months. I'm highly anxious and I will do whatever it takes to get this out sooner. And he made a call and said, right. Can you come back tomorrow at 10 a.m.? And so from Friday to Thursday, <laughs> I figured it out and I had the surgery and like, I didn't even have time to process anything, you know? And I found out, you know, with bladder cancer, if you catch it early, they basically just like cut it out in your bladder and resect it. And then you typically don't need radiation or chemo. You just go through uh, annual checkups or annual and then every five years. And I kind of made a promise to myself, like, I'm never going to the bedside again. I want to do mm. something I'm really passionate about. So I went into hospice, which for me is the definition of holistic care. Like I'm caring for you and your family. I'm understanding what makes you happy and I'm advocating for you and I'm not bound by med pushes and hospital alarms. I'm in your home in a lot of places and like, it just really fills my cup like and to be there when somebody passed it was such an honor and a privilege and it was for me it still is for me i'm like so passionate about hospice and palliative care it's so misunderstood but people live longer on hospice they have better quality of life on hospice it supports the family longer and um when the pandemic hit i was like i really want to be a leader and kind of drive change. Frankly, I feel like I'm a lot better than some of these leaders out here. And so I put my money where my mouth was. And every day I would get online and look for a job that worked with COVID. Cause I was like, Hey, COVID's new. They got to have some opportunities and I don't need to have a master's in COVID to work in COVID. And I got a job at the mm -hmm. CDC in the executive office at Boston public health commission 1300 employees, seven branches. And I sat under the medical director and the chief safety officer. And my role was developing policies, procedures, and safety around COVID. And back then it was like, is it airborne? Is it contact? Is it droplet? How do we contact trace? When do we return to work? And so I really developed those workflows based on best practice. I managed a website where I could give staff up-to-date information. I performed site visits and I really got my toes wet when it came to leadership and thinking creatively and innovatively. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. I rode the bus to the wheel fell off. I loved the commission. I love like one thing I have to say is Boston has Massachusetts has the very best public health system and um, like state health insurance than anywhere else in this country. We are a commonwealth. So our money actually goes to the people to make them better. Um, we have the highest unemployment in the country. We have the most amount of services. Our homeless shelters were the only shelters that didn't shut down during pandemic like vermont maine new hampshire they all came down there and wow. it just felt like a great opportunity to kind of step into that leadership role and then when i moved to california i was like you know what let me take a step back the show's going to be airing i don't want people to have this impression of me based on this highly edited entertainment television let me work 
in a back in case management, but in a role where I'm kind of helping drive patient change. And so I worked in a pilot program where I also got to develop workflows with one other nurse. And our goal was, hey, get all these patients that are going to the ED um, with a specific insurance for this hospital, we want you to connect with them and keep them out of that ED and teach them how to be patients. And so I got to kind of use all my hats and say like, hey, Jared, I saw you just got home with your new baby. We actually have a home care nurse who will come the first few days and help you with breastfeeding and diaper changing and make sure that you understand what's going on because in the hospital, it's a whirlwind. Uh, you get a chance to pick up those meds. No? Well, why not? Is it too much money? Can I get you some support in finding cost-effective measures, get you transportation, get your meals delivered to your home, and kind of supporting families like that? And our first six months, we reduced ED hospitalization rates by 90%. Um, we also reduced the length of stay for the average patient by 29 days per year. So giving back a patient a month of their life out of the hospital which seems crazy, but if you think about these like chronic care patients or these, you know, COPD patients who get anxious and run to the ER, these CHF patients who get flu fluid overloaded and run to the ER, we were kind of teaching them like, hey, we have support for you. Let's connect you. So you're not exposing yourself in the ER. You're getting the support and then you're building this relationship with your provider. Hmm. And so I've been doing that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. Um, so you mentioned, you know, wearing your hats, all your different hats, supporting people, being being caring, and um, you know, just wanting to be there, be there, be there for people. Uh, one thing that I actually learned from you after the show was through your Instagram about letting your um, your power supplier, your uh, power of attorney. Uh, no, um, healthcare proxy. Your electric company. Uh, the electric company. Thank you. Couldn't think of that okay. word. Electric company. Um, about your um, supportive uh, medical equipment mm -hmm. and letting them know, like, hey, I have this device that keeps me alive. If my power goes out, please put me back on first. And because of that, I called my power company and told them, listen, I have CPAP. Uh, I need you to put my power on like immediately or as quickly as possible. Oh, and I love like, that. Three weeks ago, my power went out. And literally, I was like, wait, did I call them? And I was like, wait, I did. And like within the hour, my, my power was back on. So I, I love like, it. This is this was great. So I Oh, I love that. that. But um, what made you want to start that Ask Nurse Lindsay Instagram page? I figure people are going to be in my business anyway. They might as well learn something. Like, <laughs> if you want to be all up in my business, I'm going to teach you something because I am the queen of fun facts. And honestly, I've been teaching for so much of my career, uh, an instructor, a new graduate preceptor. I'm a big believer in like education and opportunities. And I think that healthcare is so confusing. Like I'm an expert in healthcare and I'm confused as heck most of the time. And so like, how are people going to understand what's available to them? And I'm very big on empowerment. Like I want people to feel empowered to take steps. I think that our healthcare system is disproportionate for people who speak English as a second language, for minorities, for poverty. And that's just not okay. And so to have the opportunity to be like, hey, here's a fun fact. I don't know if you know about this, but it may be helpful to you. 
is like totally my brand. And I'll be honest with you with this ADHD brain. At first I was like, let me do this every Wednesday. Let me give people a little info. And then I was like, I cannot maintain this. I am burnt <laughs> out. I am burnt out. So I was so focused on like regrounding after married at first sight, rebalancing, finding love and like moving my personal life forward because I'm about to be 37 and I want babies. So time's ticking, you know, that I was like, listen, I'm not trying to be an influencer, but if you are going to watch me, I'm going to influence you. It's, it's that simple. Like, well, you did. You did thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm very much uh, like, I'll roll out of bed and be like, this is how I look today, guys. Like, something <laughs> I learned. I, I don't use filters. Sometimes I do little funny things that give you like a little glimpse into my personal life, but I'm all about like, oh, I just saved $900 on my script. Let me tell you how I did it. So you know how, or did you know that your healthcare proxy can override your DNR? Cause most people don't. I teach professionals that every day and they're like, what? I'm like, it may not be your husband. They may let you go on a little too long, you know? And so for me, it was just one of those things where like, okay, if you want to be in my business, here it is, awesome. you know? Yeah. And I think, I think medical stuff is just, a, is one of those things that you don't think about until you have to deal with it. And so, and, and then when you have to deal with it, there's not a lot of immediate resources. And so um, my mother towards the end of her life, Jared and I have different mothers. Um, my mother at the end of her life was on dialysis. And so having to deal with like, oh, how do we get her from her, you know, she couldn't, I couldn't care for her 24 seven. So how do we find a facility that can help care for her, but then also can transport her to her dialysis appointments and back. And then what happens if the insurance doesn't cover it? And what about this and this and this? And, and it was one of those things where people operate during work hours. So I was getting all these calls at work and I'm like, I can't, I can't focus on this. Yeah. And at some point somebody said, Oh, well, you know, that she has a social worker. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I became besties with her social worker because every time a problem came up and there are so many problems that you don't think about with dialysis because it, you know, she was going three times a week and you had to get on a schedule and then the bus and you had to get a bus pass, but the bus pass you can only pay for in cash in person and like all of this stuff. And there wasn't like a packet where it was like, all right, your parent is on dialysis now. Here's everything you have to think about. Like I had to do it all the hard way. And so I agree with Jared um, that your page, I know that it's, it's stressful for you to have to put this information out every day. But even when you're talking about um, addressing the cost for prescriptions is, is even something that we can all manage every day. We don't have to have these dramatic situations with our parents. But um, so my question for you is, do you think the industry can change to make things more affordable for patients? Because I live internationally right now. And so I literally, there was a surgery that I needed to have that in the States was going to cost me $25,000. I got it done in Ecuador for $2,500. And why? It's, 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 it's science. Like, why does it have to cost me 10 times as much to get it done in the United States? So just your perspective as somebody in the industry, like, do you think the industry can change to make things more affordable for patients? That's such a loaded question. My dad used to always say to me, like, some of the richest people are bankers and they're in the business for their own money and insurance companies. 
And our insurance companies have ruined healthcare for America. And that's why I think state, like I cannot stress enough the importance of voting, okay? Voting mm. locally in your local elections for yep. your rights, okay? Like, I don't want to hear you complain about shit and the way the government is. If you don't vote, shut your mouth, put your money where your mouth is. Because if you're not voting to make a change and you also want to reap the benefit, don't expect change. And yes, there's only so much we can do. When I worked in, I've worked in dialysis. I actually worked with pulmonary hypertension and these meds that were privatized were like on the stock market. And so the meds changed daily, the prices yeah. of certain meds yeah. and insurance companies can just decide how much they want a med to be. And so that's why I like health insurance and good employer health insurance and state funded health insurance is so important. Mm -hmm. um, medical debt is one of the number one reasons for bankruptcy in America. Yeah. And, you know, like you were saying, when your mom was going through this, when you're in a state of crisis, you cannot think clearly your body is literally triggered and your hormones are shifting and you're not going to process things in the same way, which is why I'm such an advocate about preventative medicine, having a primary care provider, getting preventative medicine between the ages of 30 and 47 actually cause you to live longer and prevent diseases. People wait and then they find things when they're far progressed and it becomes much more difficult. Yep. The answer is yes and no. I don't actually see a future where American health insurance gives up their power and makes it more accessible. I do see a future where state health insurance helps um, empower people more and where people are more empowered to use their resources. So like I got a prescription for Nurtec for my migraine. I have great health insurance. It was going to be a thousand dollars. I was like, yeah, uh-uh, <laughs> one second. So I went to the manufacturer website, nurtech.com, manufacturer, savings program. Hey, do you have insurance, but your med's really expensive? Type in, call us. They gave me like a good RX number. I went to my pharmacy. They said, if you fill it at your pharmacy, we'll give you $1,800 for free. So I got it for free, for mm -hmm. free. And they said, and then after that, if you fill it through Amazon, it'll be free forever. So now I've got this med that and how many people who are elderly or don't speak English as a primary language or aren't familiar are just going to one, pay for it or two, not pay for it and not get what they need because they don't understand. Yeah. Right. And so like, I'm a big believer in social workers and case management. The healthcare system is changing. A lot of hospitals now have programs like transitional care nurses and their goal is, and that's what I've been working in for many years is like, I've been working as a social worker, like, Hey, I can get your mom transportation. They'll pick her up at her house, bring her to dialysis, bring her home. And then if you want to go on a vacation, they'll set up dialysis in another state with safety spots along the way, should she need to be dialyzed. However, right. not enough people know about it. Yeah until they need to know about it. And so that was a big part of why I was like, ask nurse Lindsay, like I'm going to always tell people to go to their doctor and engage in these conversations, but here's some, some things you may not know about. Mm -hmm. uh, I might reach out to you. Uh, <laughs> I, you should people do it all the time. And like, I'm here to protect my license. So I'm not giving out medical information, but I'm like, listen, like somebody asked me the other day, I was like, Oh no, you need to see your doctor ASAP. They were like, Oh, I just started 
having this symptom. And I was like, listen, you better call your doctor right now. I was like, I'm not a doctor that is above my pay grade, but that's a change. That's a change in your medical status. That's abrupt. Call your doctor, make an appointment. They were like, I'm going to do it. I had another person say to me, like, you know, after you talked about sunscreen, I went and I got a doctor's appointment. They found melanoma and they cut it off and I got it early. And I was like, so when I hear like even that one person has been affected positively, I'm like, what more can you ask for at the end of the day to leave the world better than when you found it? And how not scary, but and I and this is actually a praise. So I hope you hopefully you don't take this wrong. But like, how scary is it that people feel more comfortable talking to a woman on social media that they don't know than they do a doctor in their own neighborhood. Like that to me is, it says something about the medical profession where I, where people would rather come to you. And again, no, you're a no, I know person. exactly what you're saying. <laughs> but healthcare has been disproportionate for people across the board for so long. Like it was a privilege for such a long time, you know, and you get one bad experience with a doctor or a therapist and you're like, forget it. I'm never going back to them again. And so one thing I always tell people is like, you know, you got to have a right fit. Like if somebody was like, I don't feel comfortable talking to my doctor. I'm like, then you need a new doctor. It's that simple. Like they're a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. Like there's some people out there who think that they own their doctor. Let me just stop you right there. (laughs) We're working individuals, but you want to have a working relationship with them. You want to be able to reach out to them and have them respond to you. I'm so fortunate that I have like, honestly, some really amazing doctors and I've had some not so great doctors too, but I've also been like, yeah, this probably isn't a fit. It's like dating, right? Like, eh, you're not a match. Um, Some people just need to retire. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to go to somebody who's new. I'm like, why? They're so eager to learn. Thank you. <laughs> They're so eager to learn and listen. Like, and they've learned, and they've just learned the latest technology and the latest medications and the latest te- techniques. So, yeah, I would go to a new doctor. Mm-hmm. For or sure. Per, like, I've had somebody say, like, "Oh, I want to go to an MD, not a PA or a nurse practitioner." And I was like, "They all work together. <laughs> Their information sharing, <laughs> like, those types of biases are only holding you back." when it comes to healthcare, like your personal bias kind of prevents you from moving forward. I mean, I wish I could be there for everyone. Like, it's so funny. Cause my, my friends always like, girl, you know so much about all these random things. I'm like, I am constantly reading, listening, trying to learn and approve upon what we've got. And there's only so much you can do. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, okay, you learned about the oxygen. I'm sure you shared that with somebody else yep. who then shared it with somebody else who shared it with somebody else. So it kind of becomes this game of like positive telephone, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, if all we do is pass on one good piece of knowledge to somebody else, like that's all we can do sometimes. Yeah. We could talk uh, healthcare and your career all night. I know we all have time crunches. Uh, I'm getting hungry. It's about during time around. I got my soup right here. (laughs) You got personal things to take care of. So let's get into why we're here, how we know you and how the world knows you. Let's talk about your time on reality TV. Uh, It's a show called Married at First Sight where where you married a complete stranger, right? Yeah. It's a show that my sister and I love to talk about. We, We recapped it. It kept us bonded as she traveled the world, and I progressed my 
life into parenthood and you know um thank you for the entertainment but uh <laughs> let's 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 get into it um what did you expect when you uh signed up for the show and what did you learn as a result of being on the show so one i didn't own a television before i applied what i didn't own a television i'm always trying to learn and like be so, busy and active and i remember the show then so, <laughs> First off, let me take you back to 2014. I just moved back to the U.S. from the Caribbean, and I see this commercial for Married at First Sight, and my dad's in the living room, and I'm like, what kind of idiot would get married <laughs> at first sight? Like, are you for real? And my dad's like, I don't know. It's a pretty good show. And I'm like, that's stupid. Hi, I'm that idiot. <laughs> I was like, oh, the irony. Um I had just gotten out of a really long relationship that I had really poured into, and it it wasn't, it was a beautiful relationship, but it wasn't the one, you know? And I was in this place where I think I was just vulnerable and I was dating a lot. And I was like, there ain't much in this pond of Boston. It's more like a swamp. And based on our, (laughs) you can tell, um, (laughs) like literally, I can't tell you how many of my friends are like, look, I saw Mark and Chris on Bumble. I'm like, beware. (laughs) Like they're always, I'm like, just don't swipe left, swipe left. And uh, I was thinking about moving back to the Caribbean or somewhere warm. And I was like sort of dating somebody, but like they were older and they're like, I don't want to have kids. You want to have kids. We're going to have to end this eventually, you know? And I was working my second job a Sunday night and the advertisement popped up and I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let me look at this. And it said to make a one minute video. And I was like, no. And so I closed it. And then literally within two minutes, three of my friends had sent me the advertisement through my DMs. And I was like, all right, what am I going to lose? Let me try it. They called me right away. I applied on a Sunday. I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, a recruiter called me. And I was like, so do I get to meet them first? And they're like, no, it's Mary's (laughs) fight. And I was like, well, give me the down low. And they're like, well, you're going to meet these experts. You'll go through these psych checks. You'll do a bunch of like background checking and you'll go to these matchmaking um, workshops. And if you get picked, you literally marry them at first sight. Can you, can you take off the last week of July? And I was like, I mean, if I'm getting married, I'm sure I could figure it out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. They're like, why? I'm like, I'm just so quirky and interesting and I feel like I'd make great reality TV and like, I don't want you to pick me because of that. And they were like, you, have you ever seen the show? I'm like, no, I don't own a TV. (laughs) They were like, you should probably go buy one and watch it. And so like I went to Costco, I bought a TV at the time, um, season nine, which is Beth's season from Charlotte was airing. And I was like watching Beth who I love. I'm going to Beyonce with her next week in Vegas. And I was like, this bitch is crazy. Oh my God, they're going to make me bad. I was like, <laughs> I am bad. And I was like, she's so quirky and crazy and like fun. Like, I love her. Seeing, I don't know if I want to do this. And I, the contract's like this big. They give you the contract as soon as you apply. And I read through it so clearly like, hey, these aren't your therapists, even though they're experts. We can cut any sentence a thousand ways and mix it and mash it. We can edit timelines and you can never, um, you can never like challenge it, even though it's not true. And I was like, 
Ugh. <laughs> it's gonna be rough. And I was like, you know what? I like talked about it with my therapist and I was like, best case scenario, I fall in love and I could potentially host the TV show or have these fun little gigs, which like, that's cool. I'm working four jobs doing flu clinics and like, that sounds like a lot funner. <laughs> or I could learn some really powerful lessons about myself that 10 years of therapy hasn't taught me. Either way, it's a win. And so- I would not recommend it to anyone. <laughs> I really, truly, unless you have really thick skin, huge self-awareness, and you really own who you are, and you want to learn a like powerful lesson, it's not for you. It's not for you. You're going to get in your head. The people you thought who were your friends or family are going to be there talking about you. You're going to learn so much about yourself. Um, so, we're, we're, so I just we're rolled the dice. Hmm? Were, 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 were you in your head when the show aired or while you were filming? Both. Like while the show was filming, I was working a pretty two, two jobs and um, three, if you consider maths, because they would film like they'd come in the house while I was working from home and set up and you'd be there from three to 10 or 11 at night. And I go to bed at nine religiously. So I was like up past my bedtime waking up at six. I had literally to be his mother and take care of his mother and cats. Like he wouldn't even, he, his cats were sick. He wasn't giving them the antibiotics. I was trying to keep them separate, give them their meds, take care of his mom. And then like, I don't love groups. Like I'm a one-on-one -on -one, two or one. And they'd force us in these groups and ask the same questions ad nauseum. And I was like, like you'd see my face when I was like these fucking fakers like, these people are just telling stories and like I make all these faces like really and, like I don't have a poker face so I was like this is real fake I'm not into this pack mentality I want to go home like I think I'll go home now you know <laughs> and so like there was a big part of me that was like if you've ever like trained for something and worked two jobs and you want, you are doing that right now, new dad, like you're kind of mm -hmm. on autopilot and there's really no time for you to kind of center yourself and rebalance. It wasn't like I could go on a hike in the woods alone and think, or go to yoga. It was literally consistent through. And then when it started airing, it became very clear that there was a narrative that they wanted to portray versus the reality. And the fact that such a big part of our reality, which was everything wasn't portrayed, I got mad. Like I was mad. I was like, you know, foolish of me to think that Hollywood would have good intentions and be good and honest you dumb girl, you know? <laughs> um, and I felt super triggered after in the sense that like chaos used to feel really comfortable, which is definitely a product of like a trauma background and alcohol. But like, I've gotten to this place where when chaos happens, I'm like, uh, 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 no, no. And I went to this Stanford doctor to get into therapy and they were like, well, what kind of therapy do you need? Depression, anxiety? I was like, well, I had PTSD before the show. And for sure, I have it now. 
and um they were like, we have a PTSD clinic now. We'll have you do an intake. And I think like the level for intake is 20. And I was at 75. Wow. The first day I'll never forget. She was like, how do you feel triggered by this? And I was like, because the show airs every week. It's not a reality. I'm getting like opinions of people who think they know me, who've never met me. And like, I want to say I don't care about people's opinions, but I I kind of do in a sense. And like, I'm upset and I'm angry and I'm more angry than sad. And I remember they were like, well, you're a candidate. And they said to me, do you mind if we record these sessions on the first session? And I literally just started crying. And she was like, are you okay? And I was like, that's how I got this. Yeah, no, I was like, okay. yeah, I, I was like, I know you're a doctor and this is confidential and you want to record this to show it to your seniors to do this process. But like, I was like, I need to think about this and process this for a little bit. And it was cognitive processing therapy. It's a 12 week course. It's the same one they give vets who go through PTSD and it's very structured. And, um, it just was like a lot. It was a lot of work. She had me write my, like the same sentence for the last one. I remember starting, like, if I'm being really honest, I'm sick about writing about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> here we go again. And, um, at the very end of it, she's like, how do you feel? And I was like, I feel less reactive. I feel more grounded. I feel like I can handle things better. Um, I don't feel so on edge, like over explaining and being hyper vigilant is like a very big sign of people who've experienced trauma, like feeling unsafe, um, always panicking and just like, really there's like seven features of people who really have trauma. And I was like, oh, I got them all. <laughs> and I remember, You're like, hey, we're 10. <laughs> at, at the end of it, she, she graphs your trauma every week. Like, do you have memories? Do you have dreams? Do you have nightmares? How do you feel about it? Where are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. It's like a PHQ 13. It's uh 13 questions. And at the end of it, she shows you this graph and she's like, so you know, you had a little spike when we got to these like emotional parts and then you kept going down. And when you started, you were at a 75 and now you're at a 20. And I was like, I feel much more grounded. Mm, and uh, I said a lot of times on the show, like anger is a lot more comfortable than sadness. I feel like when you open the gates for sadness, like, I don't know how deep that well is. Yeah. And like, that's so scary to me. Like there's a fear behind it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think recently I had like a panic attack. I haven't had one since high school. It was like the littlest thing. I was driving over a speed bump in a busy parking lot and my boyfriend got so excited. He was like, Whoa! and I literally got so mad. I was like, what? And he's like, oh, look, Panda Express is opening. And I was like, I want to murder you. I was like, I just thought I hit somebody. Like I hit the speed bump and I like, I pulled over and I was like, I'm really mad. And he's like, what? I'm like, I thought I just hurt someone. Like, I thought I just hurt someone. And then I just stopped and I was like, he was like, oh, I'm like, please don't do that again. You know, like we have such a respectful relationship. And he was like, oh, okay. So I was doing some deep breathing. And then all of a sudden I just started sobbing and he was like, oh my God. And I was like, I just went through all the emotions, fear, like anger, fear, and sadness in like a five minute window where normally I would have been mad at you for like two weeks and then (laughs) like fearful for like 10 minutes and then sad for about five. And I was like, that's growth. 
Like I was able to really process through all of it in a, a quick window. And I was like, I'm so grateful for that trauma course. And Married at First Sight paid for it. They oh, good. Paid, oh, good. Well, I mean, they owed me some therapy. So they for <laughs> 14, they gave me extra therapy because of what happened. Um, and so they actually paid for like a lot of therapy post maths. That's something actually all married at first sight participants are eligible for, which is not something I don't believe is common in many reality shows. Um, and so that was definitely one of the best things that's happened to me from it is the fact that I feel so centered in who I am. And I honestly, I'm just like so happy in my partnership. Like I said, to, I was talking to Katina the other day and I was like, man, I'm so happy. Like Ray and I, we talk through any disagreements. We're never disrespectful to each other. He doesn't raise his voice to me. We really handle conflict like mature adults, just wanting to kind of push each other forward in the same way. And like, yeah. it's beautiful, you know, like I feel like even together, we've had so much growth as a couple uh, like early on, he wouldn't want to talk about something. He'd want to wait a week. And I was like, no, you can be uncomfortable. I want to hear about it today. You, you yeah. let that out. Like we'll work through it. And I feel like maybe that's the show that, that, that maths needs as a follow-up. And again, I, I agree. And I think it's something that Jared and I have talked about is that there needs to be a break in between seasons so that they can learn from like, oh, this didn't work, especially with the last train wreck of a season that they could stop for a second and go well shit this didn't work out let's revisit some steps before we turn out a new season and maybe what they can do before they start turning on a new season is do a season with what you just said like it would be amazing to see a hey I came out of this I learned this and now this is what a healthy communicative relationship looks like and it's about that vulnerability. And, and again, I, while you were talking, I'm pointing at myself and nodding because everything you said, like I have experienced because I grew up in chaos and now I'm with a partner who like when he's calm, I don't know what to do with this. Like I physically say it, like, I don't, we're quiet. We're just sitting here. I don't know what to do with this calmness. Like have a problem. I know how to solve it. He's <laughs> just mm -hmm. like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And I'm like, I'm just just worse. I'll send you the workbook. <laughs> it's like a pretty intense thing. Please do. Because I'm, again, the, the whole time you were talking, I'm pointing and nodding, but again, to have a partner that is open to communicating with you. And if you say like, I'm feeling this and having a partner that's like, I will listen to, it. I may not understand it, but mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to it. Like that needs to be a show. <laughs> yeah. That you know, it's funny though. Cause John, Shawnice and Jeff D I got to meet them. I really like them. Shawnice is like so freaking sweet and kind. And she was talking about how, you know, she got pregnant early on. She talked about in the last special and they weren't sure if they were going to co-parent or how, like how they were going to co-parent. And so they did this spinoff together and through that they really learned how to communicate with one another and like grow in love with each other and through their marriage and so I think maths has done that in the past you know I always say like once I mean, something's been on not with, not with Jamie anybody with Jamie <laughs> no I'm not a fan of her <laughs> same she talks is about Jamie, empowering women and then trashes them like come on is, is Jamie the basic white people sex person no no Jamie's the very very That's first that. season Oh, Jamie's the oh. very, very first season with Doug and she cried at the, the, uh, 
alter and now apparently everything's wonderful i hate jamie love doug i don't think it's wonderful every time i've seen her i don't follow her but i did for a minute when i was applying just to kind of like get an idea of where people were at after she just wasn't that nice to like the way she talked about her husband wasn't nice no and, and I, I this is the he's the only person from maps that i've ever dm'd when i dm'd him the first season and i was like i hope after the show airs that you get all the vagina thrown at you and that you just swim in it but they got they, they stay married and nothing happened but you know as long as <laughs> you never know what's going on in people's homes as long as they're happy that's their path to walk not mine you know <laughs> right. um jared you've got the last question for Lindsay. oh i do have a lot okay um i have so many to go to but i'll go to this one so you've mentioned your current relationship yeah and um uh did the show prepare you for this relationship uh and uh how do you think uh do you think you and ray would have found each other uh some other way if it wasn't for maps no which is why we always say it's the best and the worst thing i um so my best friend, she was the Cameron. She was in my bridal party. She was the one pouring me champagne in the, in the bus on the wedding day. She lives out here. Um, when we met in like 2010, we just hit it off right away. And I remember she was messaging my sister because my sister was being really hateful. And she was like, girl, you can cut that door off, cut that negative energy tie. She is not a good like lady. She's like, the thing she sent her she was like oh she's not right and so like the fact that she would even stand up for me against my family it just made me feel so cared for and loved in such a special way and I remember telling her like I'm moving somewhere warm and she was like you really should come to the bay I'm here uh the weather and the pay is great and I was like you got that right it's the best place to be a nurse in is California and so I live 15 minutes from her. I've always had this rule. Like when I move somewhere, I want to be next to at least one friend. I've actually got a dozen friends out here, but I've been so introverted. I've only seen like three. Um, and her children are like my nephews. I love them so freaking much. I was supposed to spend the weekend with um her youngest this weekend, let him stay with me. But then he had green boogers and I was like, nothing is getting in between Beyonce and me. It'll be after, after Beyonce, you can come over. He FaceTimes me every day. Like early on, I just loved spending time with her family and her. And so, and also I knew I wanted a driven intellectual, like the same thing I told the experts. I want somebody with a big family. I want somebody who's hardworking, passionate in their career and smart. They didn't give me any of that. Like, we were playing opposite day on the matching day. And so I knew like the Bay area is filled with intellectuals who are driven, who are like Silicon Valley. And also it's a little bit more progressive and diverse. And so that was a big draw for me to come here and just having that one person. And then Ray just won me over with, um, his mature. Well, he's, I always say he's immature because like him and I are goofballs, like who fart and laugh about it but like we are also very much um like-minded in the way we believe in our values I remember I made everybody listen to this podcast interview I did before I would give them my number and I was like listen I don't want to have a talk about how I did this crazy thing like I talk about what I want and love listen to this circle back if we align and one person was like I don't think we're a fit I'm like great I wish you the best of luck have a great day. Thank you for not wasting my time and making me put on pants to go see you. <laughs> and 
Ray was like, how do you feel about dating somebody far away? I was like, hate it. Love my apartment. Love my like job and my friends here. And I'm not moving. He was like in my, they matched with you thing. He lived like three hours away. And I was like, also, I hate driving. Like I did everything to get out of that first date. And he was like, well, I mean, like, I just want to know that it's not going to be all me. And I was like, no, I'm not unreasonable. I'll, I'll make an effort to come and see you, but just know I'm not moving to Sacramento. And he was like, okay, fair enough. And, um, he was very much like on our second date, Hey, we have dinner reservations and let's go get a cocktail before, but so you're not stressed out and we're not late. I made reservations for six 30, six 45 and seven at three different places. So wherever it takes us, we can go. And then I remember on our second date, he was like, I'm standing in a parking spot for you. So I was very much like, we're not going to be in the same car together very early on. We'll meet you at the location. And he was like, this spots for my girlfriend. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. He called me his girlfriend. We got a stage nine. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he was just, I would have ran. You would have ran. I would have been like, thanks for the parking spot. I I hung up the phone and called my best friend. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's too much. And she was like, girl, you better simmer down. And he was just so respectful. Like he checked all my boxes. I remember I got a terrible migraine attack. Back then I was still going to Vineyards wine tasting and our first day was supposed to be at a winery. And I called him and I was like, listen, you've been so great at communicating and I don't want to cancel this date, but I don't want to go drink. I wouldn't be my best self and I don't feel very well. And he was like, that's okay. I'll come down to you and we can go to breakfast. And I was like, are you sure you don't mind? You want to drive all this way? We were going to meet halfway. And he's like, absolutely. And he drove three and a half hours down for our first date each way. And I was like, okay, he puts in the work, like he makes an effort and he's a giver, like a giver of his time, his energy, his money and his effort. And I'm a giver of that. And I've been dating a lot of takers and it was so nice. I think he also dated a lot of takers. So like we're both givers and it's so nice to be givers with givers and just like fill each other's cup. You know, I honestly couldn't ask for anything better. He's got a big family. I love his family. I text his mom like, hey, when I get pregnant, I'm going to need you. I'm going to freak <laughs> out. Your son has a big head. Like literally, especially <laughs> he his ass. Like, I'm not sure. I'm prepared. Like also daycare is expensive. So could you just move down here? Like, <laughs> like I love his family. I love him. And I just feel like, um, like we just really respect each other. And it's so nice. Like when's the wedding? I don't know. I told him, you want me to just invite you? I was like, you're taking long. I got married at first sight. Um, <laughs> I think we'll have a baby before a wedding. Um, I am very financially minded. And I was like, listen, I don't want to spend, like, I already had a wedding that I planned. It didn't work out. I already had a fancy wedding to a terrible person. Like, let's just go to city hall. Uh, there's a really cute bar down here. I like that has like a terrace on a roof with a fireplace and really good food. And I was like, how much to rent this whole place out? They're like seven to 11, including food and drinks. And I was like, this is the wedding you can have. I was like, I'll agree to this. I was like 11 grand or less pay for it in cash. And he was like, I was like, that's the only way I'm getting married. I'm like, I want to cash flow this bad boy. I was like, I can't see having a child in the next year and spending a tuition child's future on a wedding. Like he's already been married. I've already been married. Like, do we really need, like, like, let's just get a dress and some photos. 
Um, and so I just kind of said to him, like, at this rate, I would rather us both work on getting debt free from our college debt, making sure we have no car payments, um, and having a baby first. So we'll probably have our baby before we get married. I tell him he can't afford the ring I want. It's got to be big. <laughs> like I work with doctors and high profile people and it's got to say back off, back off <laughs> all the way off. And I was like, twice the wife, twice the carrots. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> I'm dead serious. Second wife, twice the carrots. I mean, we're going to have to talk to Scott about this, Jared. I mean, that's on you. I have nothing to do with that. I mean, he's upstairs. Why don't you, why don't you, 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 you interfere for me. He's upstairs. No, you, you chose to travel the world and scuba dive in Brazil. So I'll, I'll oh, yeah. take we can go scuba diving together. I'm Patty certified. Please. Oh yeah. My, my husband's a scuba dive instructor. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah have you guys ever dove in St. Croix? Not St. Croix. We just started traveling a year and a half ago. So we've done Costa Rica. We just got back from the Galapagos. Oh. and uh a little bit in Colombia. so and we're after we're done visiting my niece and my brother and his wife we're going to go to brazil oh wonderful um so st croix is a u.s virgin island but like they have the deepest water next to shallow land in the world the mariana trench is the deepest but they have something called the wall trench um and it's it's awesome that's the island i lived on for like four years i go back like maybe a month or two a year, every year. Like it's home for me. I want to live there one day, but like before I need healthcare. And uh, <laughs> that's what we should do. A di- you should come with us when we go and go on a dive trip. So the reason why I matched with Ray on his dating profile was for one thing only. It was like something about me. And it said, I taught myself how to swim off of YouTube. And I remember reading that and going, I love that. One- He's open to new opportunities. He's willing to learn. He's willing to challenge himself. And also that's really ballsy because the alternative is dying. Like swimming is scary. I'm a swimmer. Like if you panic, you're going to die. And I remember reading that and being like, he's perfect for me. Like. Does he he like tacos? Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, so we eat a lot of Filipino food, a lot of Asian food. Lumpia. Yeah. We got some in our freezer. If you're ever in the Bay area. My final, final, truly final question is, <laughs> um, you're planning on having a kid. Mm-hmm. I have a kid. If your kid comes to you in 25, 30 years and goes, hey, mom, um, I'm single, don't want to be single. There's an opportunity for me to do this reality TV show. Would you co-sign it or would you just be like, Watch this before you make a decision. <laughs> well, first of all, my kid is going to have enough knowledge and support from Ray and I where they're going to be smart enough to make their own choices. So I'm never going to helicopter them, but I'm going to be like, can I just tell you what the experience was like for me? And also the internet's forever. So like if they manipulate you or misword you, like that will carry on for you and it may affect you professionally or personally. So, you know, my mom always said for every action there's a consequence so if you want to take that action make sure you're ready to pay the consequence and like that's up to you little kid you're gonna sink or swim it's your choice you know interesting all right but i would really hope they wouldn't (laughs) (laughs) like if they want to do it they can do it but i'd be like oh please don't please don't (laughs) i keep coming up with more questions i asked you go for it you're such an open book so i want to ask one more 
it's about your your castmate, uh, one that we did not particularly care for. Um, but I need to know the truth. Uh, Alyssa, who mm. we affectionately call a uh, trash person. Um, I call her a really good person. <laughs> <laughs> is she a really good person or is she how we think she was based on how she was per- per- portrayed? She's exactly how she was portrayed. She wasn't there long enough to be filmed, to be edited. Um, so I want to give the truth and then say something positive about her to soften it out. She was just kind of like a princess who wanted things her way. I remember early on, we're like, everybody give a factor, a bad quality about yourself. And she was like, I was like, oh, I can be a little too much sometimes. I need somebody to be like, hey, simmer down. Everybody said something. And when we got to her, she was like, me? I don't have any. And I was like, oh, self-awareness. Got it. (laughs) Not like that. He immediately blocked me. I was like, we are never going to be friends. And I was like, all right, girl. We're about to eat with each other. If this is how you're going to treat me, good luck with that marriage. um, She was like, I'm buying a house here and I'm getting this dog. And if my husband doesn't like it too bad. And I remember when I first met Mark, we're like, who got you get married on three different days. And I was like, who got married today? He's like, my friend, Chris. And I was like, oh, it's not going to work out for him. And he's like, (laughs) like, his wife is just opinionated, princessy and nasty. I got news for you. Little did you know, it did not work out. My problem with Alyssa was that after like she decided that wasn't for her, she never left. She would come to the hotel that was paid for and sit in the lounge and try to catch people in between and try to influence people and try to manipulate people. And just just like, don't you have friends? Don't you have a job? Like where we're filming is 45 minutes from your house. Like go home, (laughs) live with your mom, go home, you know? And like, she just always needed to be there. And she always wanted to hang out with everyone and post with everyone. And you'll see that never happens anymore because people smartened up. But like, I just thought she was fake as fuck. Yeah. Um, I I think she said, like, I want to live in the apartment half the time. And you live. Oh my God, girl, this is not called roommates at first sight. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage, get out, go home. Like, what do you mean? You clearly didn't do this for marriage. If you just want to be a part of the process, like get, you are the wrong person. Why was she even picked? But I know a lot about Chris and he's not a good man. I set him oh, up with no. my friend and he did some pretty terrible things to her and I could oh, never no. co-sign him. And I think if Alyssa had just like, so to her credit, I love that she stood her boundaries. Like, and frankly, I'm the only one saying I would do what I wanted to do. I'm living my best life, succeeding professionally and personally. Like she just moved to Texas and she did say she wanted to. And like nobody, like good for her for doing what she said she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that if she had just actually tried, we would have a very different opinion of Chris and she wouldn't have been so hateful, but I'm very grateful for her because if she wasn't there, I would have been the most hated. So I want to thank (laughs) Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa, for being the villain. So I could be the second villain. You know what I mean? Like if it were you, I I wouldn't be here today. (laughs) So you were on the, one of the um, reunions for this last season. So I guess I'm, I need some clarification or I'm curious. 
I don't need it. I'm curious about your relationship with the show. So it sounds like you went through some rough stuff and you were not always edited well and producers maybe didn't protect you, but you're still kind of participating in reunions and things like that. So what's your relationship with the show? You know, that's a tricky question. There was one producer that I worked with that I really liked and she did most of the specials and um, she switched to something else like couple's couch so I worked with her and I would still work with her and only her okay this last time I went to the show I worked with a producer who fuck her there's no other way to say it like she spent the whole night with me and I was like listen I'm not coming if there's somebody from my cast I don't have a great relationship with them and then she surprised me with Skeeve and uh I was just like you could see like when he came out I was like I literally could not like I wanted to just walk off stage and be done and at one point I was like no no like there are certain people I will not be in the presence he is what he has done to people is disgusting and you will find out one day because the the truth always comes to light but like the fact that she had to manipulate me like that I said to her you could have told me even in the morning and she was like well I don't have to I'm like if you respected me you would have And I was like, I messaged my friend who does like production and stuff. And I was like, I will never work with her again. Don't ever call me for anything with her. Fuck this. Like you had no business putting me in this situation. You told me you'd finally tell the truth the day before she's like, oh, we're not going to tell the truth. It's a little too shocking. And I was like, why did I, why did I come here? I thought you'd finally be honest about what actually happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was so weird because she filmed the second half before the first half so like she's like oh we're gonna film things out of order we'll film the second half and then the first half and steve came out for the first half but it was really at the end of the day and so you see me really upset and then like actually just having conversations but it was flip-flopped in real time and i remember thinking like this i'm not playing these games anymore like i have everything i wanted and i don't need to like it isn't worth a measly little thing. You know what I mean? Like no. I did it because I, I had to pay somebody's taxes that they never paid. Who could that be? Mm-hmm. Well, legally my husband, you know, when you're married and somebody doesn't yeah. pay their taxes, they come after you. And well, so I, I was like, works on, that, on a show like that. So good to know. Yeah. So I, um, I, I would never do it again with that producer. If I were to, like, I might do couples couch where I get to just like, be myself and talk I feel like you actually kind of got to see who I was on couples couch because I was the producer I had the camera the ring light you know (laughs) I wasn't being fed the questions right but like I came home and I was so mad and so stressed out and then like the two weeks before it was airing I was really stressed out and upset Ray was like hey go take go get a massage I got a call today at two if you can book a massage at two you can go and I was like He's like, you're already on the phone. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't say no to a massage twice. Say less, fam. Yeah, what a beautiful partner to know like, hey, you're overwhelmed. I cleaned the house. I made you dinner. Go get a massage, babe, on me. And I remember thinking, he's like, was was it worth it? And I was like, no, it was not. And he's like, I didn't think you'd feel that way. And I was like, you know, I don't need to get my truth out. The truth is the truth. And it probably will never come out. And that's okay. Like, I think living a happy and healthy, successful life is good enough. You know what I mean? 
Ironically, all the people that have dated my TV husband messaged me. I'm like some type of support group. For like, <laughs> oh my God, he gaslit me. I had two drinks at dinner because I was so uncomfortable. He was calling himself a celebrity. And then he was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sober? Are you sober? I'm like, good thing you weren't on TV because they would have made you look like an alcoholic. And they're mm. like, I am so sorry. They're like, I was triggered by your relationship. And I was like, so you went to date them? right like, maybe I need to do a little self-healing and grow right I was well, like, only... maybe it's the I'm gonna change him it'll be different with me mm-hmm. mentality mm-hmm. <laughs> like everybody who knows him mess- like I get a lot of messages from people who know him were like this guy wore his varsity letter jacket for 10 years after he graduated high school he's a creep and I was like yeah <laughs> good luck to him no I keep him in my block jail like it's funny when I, he had me blocked and when I went on the show, he unblocked me and started watching all my stories. And I was like, in the dungeon, you go. <laughs> Putting you in the dungeon. So like him and all four of his burner accounts are in my little block jail. And every once in a while, I'll go to my block jail and release a prisoner. If they fuck up, I put them right back in. But I'm like, <laughs> you will stay there with every one of my little prisoners. <laughs> Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for your honesty, for your sharing your time with us, for um, we're excited that you are in a healthy, happy relationship. We can't see what happens next with you and Ray and little Rinzi, Lay, whatever y'all come up with her name. I'll tell you what they're not going to be named. (laughs) Alyssa. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) For sure. That one's out. Where can anybody that's following us today find you? Oh, um, well, I'm occasionally posting health stuff on Ask Nurse Lindsay. As they come to me and things that I feel like are valuable, I post them. But like, it it don't pay me. I work on my bank first. So like, mm. that's where you'll find me. It's funny because a lot of people who follow me are like, oh, you're really not the person we saw on TV. And I was like, yeah, that's entertainment television. <laughs> I was like, yep. welcome. So if you want to see me and learn about me, I might give you pictures of my cats and my man sometimes. Um, but I'm really just trying to spread some awareness, you know? Like I yep. said, if people are going to be in my influ- like be in my business, I might as well influence them with healthcare. <laughs> yep. Super You're definitely that. getting a DM from me about healthcare stuff. Oh, please do. You know, I'm, I get people messaging me all the time and I talk about trauma a lot. And like, when I go like randomly, if Ray's in the shower and he's taking forever, I'll go live. And like, I'll talk about trauma or this book I'm reading. And I've had some really wonderful people message me like, how really, I felt that I'm also dealing with my own trauma. And I like, I do a lot of giveaways. Like I sent somebody a bottle of wine and a self-care package this week because they got stuck in an airport. I sent another person a book that they shared a traumatic experience. I was like, I'm reading this book. It's really powerful. I gave away my wedding dress. I gave away the necklace that I got at the show. So like, I'm very much like, oh, I'm cleaning. This is nice. Who wants it? And sometimes when people are opening up with me about their stories and I meet these little girlfriends, I'm like, hey, let me, let me send you a little something. I, uh, I love to pay it forward, you know? My right. wife loves wine and uh, she has a newborn and she's dealing with me. So, oh, um... you can, I will definitely send you wine post baby because I don't drink at all anymore. 
at all. I get terrible migraines from it. And I have like two cases of wine in my storage unit. So I'll send you some Napa wine. I'll take both Perfect. cases. No problem. I'll pay <laughs> the shipping. I don't mind at all. <laughs> yeah, they're good wine. You know, I will say that's another really positive thing about maths. Like I felt like every time I was pissed off while filming, I was like, all right, let me have a glass of wine. And then after MAPS started filming, I was like, I want to really reevaluate my relationship with alcohol and also not become my mother or sister. And I quit drinking. And then I remember when I started dating or like I was going to vineyards, I would have a glass of wine or two. And I would, within 15 minutes, I would get bright red and I'd start throwing up. And I went to a doctor here and I was like, I've had this problem for a while. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night, I'll start throwing up. And he goes, do you get migraines? And I was like, yeah, I've always gotten migraines. Like forever. My mom gets migraines. They're hereditary amongst women. And he's like, you're getting abdominal migraines. He's like, I'm going to give you a medicine to take every night before bed and we'll see if they stop. And I'll be damned if they didn't stop. And I've never even heard of this thing. Abdominal it's migraines. Super common. It's really common in children. I remember being a kid and getting sick to my stomach cramp, like crippled over stabbing pains and throwing up for hours and nothing would ever stop it. I've had to go to the, like, it's really like, you'll have to look it up, but um, it's more common in women than men. And I remember when I started here, like anytime I'd have wine, I'd get an abdominal migraine. And I was like, now I'm not drinking at all. And I, I love that for me. You know what I mean? Like, I love mm -hmm. being so grounded and centered. I, I'm not gonna lie. Every time I go to like a Michelin dinner and it's a really nice meal. I'm like, damn, I wish I could have at least a glass of wine with it. But then I feel awful for two days. And so like, I also think maths was a great way to kind of, even though they like exploit some of it, you know what I mean? And overemphasize it. It was enough for me to be like, huh. Like I remember calling my best friend and being like, I'm so mad. I think I want to drink. So I'm just going to go and run on the treadmill again, because like the fact that I'm mad that I want to drink is not a good idea. I think that's so common in society for us to be like, I've had a bad day. Let me pour a glass of wine or I'm frustrated or also to socialize with colleagues and coworkers that way. And so yeah. for me, I'm like, Hey, do you want to go for a hike? Do you want to go yoga? Like being really intentional about who I spend my time with and how I spend it. So I'll send you both a bottle of wine since you're living together right now. <laughs> now I will, I will just be, well, you can take the wine. I will be happy with the scuba dive. So we'll, somewhere in the world, we will end up scuba diving together. I red or white? Do Doesn't matter. Oh, red. For my wife, red. I'm a red, 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 red. I was like, the reds are much better. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, reds. Ray likes Chardonnay and Chardonnay is disgusting. Tastes it's like a butter. white towel. <laughs> no. I'm a whiskey, I'm a whiskey girl. I'm not a wine girl. So I'm a, give me an girl. old fashioned, give me an old fashioned. I'm happy every day. Oh gosh. I feel nauseous thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us at the wise and wine podcast, as well as the siblings take on podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you want to be a guest on one of our shows, you can reach out to me, Jen at wiseandwine at gmail.com or jared at siblingstakeon at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Bye-bye.